Hi everyone, I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. And we write songs together under the name The Kelly Lines. By the way, Mike's my dad. Which of course makes us a father-son songwriting duo. And when we're not writing songs, we're generally chatting about writing songs. And we thought it might be fun to share some of these thoughts with you. This week we're talking about some of our songs that we're particularly fond of that perhaps haven't been as well received by other people. So Mike, what are we talking about today then? Well, we're talking about songs that, that we've written and we really like, but when we played them to other people, they haven't been particularly well received. One one song springs to mind pretty quickly for that, to be fair. Um, Ferryman was was loved by us, but not by many, many other people. We, we were so excited when we wrote it, weren't we? So excited and um, kind of like... A, Two of us ended up being excited and everybody was a bit of a damp squib, wasn't it? But um, go on, give us a blast, remind me. Who will pay the ferryman for our rendezvous in hell? Have you got a soul to sell? Have you got a soul to sell that's worth the selling? Uh, I thought it was the best bit of music I had ever and would ever write at the time it came out, or like the time we wrote it. And uh, yeah, that, that that turned out not as we expected. And I, th- I thought, to be honest, it, actually it's, it's very difficult to talk about this, isn't it? Because you sound like you're blowing your own trumpet. Sorry, it's not pun intended there, but um, it, they were some of the best lyrics I thought I'd ever write as well. I was, I was, really, ple- I was really pleased with it. I was absolutely mortified that nobody seemed to, to like it. But I suppose, hey, hey ho, that's how it goes, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think it was necessarily a case of, like, no one seemed to like it. I think it was just that... I remember the first time we played it live was, like, our second ever gig um, in Giddy Who. And, like, it's not that people didn't like it. They just clearly didn't like it as much as most of the other songs. Possibly just because, like, we were an unknown band who... um, like had been playing some pretty upbeat songs so far, and then the song starts with that, like finger-picked, quieter stuff. Yeah, that 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 that's maybe true. I think the other thing f- for me is there's only two people that know the story behind it, me and you. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder how significant that 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 is, you know, because it's a song about betrayal. Um, we talk about how many pieces of silver. There's an obvious Judas reference to that. Yeah. But it but it's more than a song about betrayal. It's a specific betrayal by a specific person in a very specific way. So there's a lot there's a there's a huge amount of emotion there for for you and I. Um mm, yeah. but but for nobody else. Nobody else would actually know that. I mean we're not gonna tell the story. We're not gonna we're not we're not gonna give away too much of the, in, in terms of the details. But do you think that's got something to do with it? I don't think so, because like Bob Dylan, one of the best-selling artists of all time, and half his lyrics don't make any sense to anyone else. You do realise I mean, you've just compared us to Dylan there. I mean, not in the way that, you know, you might expect, but no, I'm saying that, like, evocative nonsense can can get through really well sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's fair enough. I just wonder sometimes if you, for, for example... Um, you know I'm a big Springsteen fan. Everybody knows I'm a big Springsteen fan. But the song Long Time, Long Time Coming, for example, had never really meant much to me. 
And then I heard um, Bruce Springsteen tell the story behind it. And I was like, going, oh, right, I get that now. Uh, and yeah, I, I suppose. And I love, this, I love the song now because I know the background behind it. I've often wondered if that's not a factor with Ferryman. Oh, maybe. I think a lot of it probably comes down to the fact that, like, if people are investing in you, like people might be investing in Springsteen, then they're more prepared to give the benefit of the doubt to, like, long downbeat intros especially in a live setting um whereas we didn't we haven't necessarily earned that yet yeah i think that's like the rest of the song gets upbeat and more driven and like what we are like normally but the intro was fairly long and in fact the most of the times when we have played it live the intro was even longer or like the first bit was even longer we kind of trimmed it a bit afterwards it's nearly a five minute song isn't it (laughs) yeah of which half of it is the first, like, two yeah. verses, just because of, like, you know, time. I think they call that a slow a slow build. But we, we've mm. also, um, we've recorded it twice in different ways, haven't we? Yes, we have. Um, both of which have their merits. I'm not sure which I prefer. I think it's probably the first one, because I like, I like big drums and, and lots of stuff happening. I, I think right. I like a sort of halfway house, funnily enough. There's bits of the first one I like and there's bits of the, of the second one. The second one we recorded, there was um, an, an accordion, wasn't there? Yes, it was basically vocals. Uh, it was me on acoustic guitar and vocals, then Ruben on accordion, and Yestin provided some backing vocals. And then the original version, as you said, there were, there were big big drums going on. Drums, there was this... Man, there was this at the end, there's this mandolin part, which was literally recording one take because I was like oh some mandolin might be quite cool and I managed to somehow accidentally solo the mandolin part perfectly first time as in no bum notes which is almost unheard of especially seeing as I don't play the mandolin particularly well yeah well they, I, I'm not <laughs> going to I'm not going to the... make a comment about your mandolin playing but <laughs> funny story about the vocals for the original version of Ferryman it was actually recorded um, not on Christmas Day but it was the day me and my flat in uni were having our Christmas dinner and it was recorded as our oven was exploding um, I was up in Yestin's bedroom recording vocals I came back downstairs and the oven had completely blown and we had to finish the rest of Christmas dinner in a wok oh completely unconnected though I'm, I'm, I'm sure absolutely nothing to do with, with the song but hopefully <laughs> some of the some of the lyrics still remain some of my my favourite lyrics um, what what you sow is what you reap so Mr Start You're Reaping yeah. um, and, and Men Ask Why Satan Smiles The Angels Gently Weeping I, I really I was very I was very pleased with them I know that sounds a little bit immodest and it's not meant to sound immodest it's almost surprise really because they came, they came out they came out um well as well as i was as well as i was hoping let's put it like that give it that's my favorite part of the song by the way give, give us a blast of that i'm gonna play a bit before because i think it's, it's it's one of my favorite like bits of vocal to sing it like fits really nicely in my in my throat so i'm going to sing a bit before it and then go on a bit afterwards just because i i, I want to <laughs> yeah fair enough cool. go on give it a go for you desecrate the memory when you abdicate your throne We were born to die alone We will reap what we have sown on that bright morning And in the final reckoning when we tally up the score When the less becomes the more It is tempting to ignore our mother's warning what you sow is what you reap. So, Mr. Start, you're reaping. 
as Satan smiles, the angels gently weeping. So let me ask you, are you selling for how much silver do you need to make it worth the price? So let me ask you, why do you want more? How much silver makes it worth the sacrifice? Very good. So forth. Very good. Yeah. Well, I like it. You like yeah, it. Yeah, I do too. I guess, I guess it Who comes... Who knows? Maybe in a decade or two when we're, you know, best-selling artists, multi-platinum records, people will come back to this and they'll be like, oh, that's a hidden gem. That's yeah, a, yeah, that's yeah. That's a track that not many people paid attention to when it came out. Oh, well, it, it, it would or be... Or people will still not care. Who knows? It's <laughs> one of the two. I tell you what, though, I think it is quite a hard listen. It's, it's a hard... It's, when I say it's a hard listen, it's a hard subject matter, isn't it? I mean, it's not cheerful. It's you, you, you certainly wouldn't call it froth um, and poppy, and um, you know, it's it's a certain you've got to be in a certain mood, I think, um, to, yeah. to, to listen to, to music like that. It do, I, I don't know. Sometimes you, you, you write you write a song and you think, well, that's that's not very good, or you you don't give it a lot of thought, um, and it's well received. It's it's bizarre, isn't it? I mean, I, I contrast, you know, that, that, that song was written a good, good couple of years ago now. I think three years ago. I think it's a 2017 mm-hmm. song, I'd, I'd, I'd guess. I reckon, we wrote, I reckon we wrote Ballad of the Bee around the same time. And, and I kind of wrote Ballad of the Bee. Ballad of the Bee was much earlier, though, I reckon. Really? I think, anyway. Put it this way, they're, they're not recent songs, are they? No, but but, okay. but Ferryman was one of those songs you're like, going, oh, I can't wait for people to hear this. Ballad of the Bee was one of the songs we wrote and kind of like going, okay, we, we finished it, something and nothing song, and didn't give it any thought. And yet that goes on to be quite well received in, rel- yeah. in relative terms. It's, there's no rhyme nor reason to it. Yeah. Yeah, and in contrast to Ferryman, which was released twice, um, the Ballad of the Bee was almost released about 17 times but we just never kind of found a place for it because we were always going kind of like, I think we've got better. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then um, probably a lot due to Connor and Jack going like, no, this song actually is really good. And us going, oh, fair enough. This does seem to stick in people's heads when we do play it occasionally. And so we record it and at last it comes out and it's actually quite well received it is and, and we should say as we should say as well just assume everybody knows Connor and Jack um, oh yeah <laughs> guitarist and bassist for the Kelly line yeah they, they really liked it and it's been it's been pretty it's been well received I guess it comes down to why do you write songs why do you write songs do you write songs that you like that you want to hear or do you try and write songs that are going to be well received yeah. My question to um, you: What 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 what's your what's your driving force? Why do you write songs? Um, I like to write songs that I feel good playing, um, either because I think, oh, that's people like that, um, and that makes me feel happy and validated. Or I like writing songs where when I sing it, I'm like, I feel cool. This I feel like I have achieved something of of sufficient quality that I feel good about myself in doing it is probably the general answer it's not so much a i'm writing for people to enjoy this or i'm writing to write the next masterpiece i'm writing to make myself feel good i think it's probably my my feelings on that you, you've got to you've got to write something that you're happy with first of all haven't you you've got to write something yeah. that you like 
um, otherwise, there's, otherwise there's no chance. I mean, I always, I always see it that if if other people like it, obviously that's nice. Of course it is. You'd be lying to say yeah. it wasn't, but it is a bonus, isn't it? Um, yeah. So Ferryman remains one of those. Did I did I ever tell you that I kind of I was singing it? I was I was on my own, and I was actually walking up um, Travan. I was climbing Travan, and I'd been playing around with the idea of who will pay the ferryman for a while. And I actually was singing the lyrics out loud. There was nobody else around. It was like early dawn and early dawn on Travan, and um, I was playing around with the lyrics, singing at the top of my voice. Did you Did you know that? <laughs> I did not know that. Um, I thought you were going to say something different and you were going to say what, like, lyrical structure you based it on. Oh, no. That is something you have told me before. Oh, go Um, on, reveal all then. Reveal all. Shall I? Yeah, go on. Who will pay the ferryman for our rendezvous in hell? Have you got a soul to sell? Have you got a soul to sell that's worth the selling? Hey, that's really good. That's really good. <laughs> if only I had written, hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song yeah, for me, it would have been well-received and we'd be famous and hey-ho-ho. Ho. Yeah, no, no, I think blame my tune then, clearly. You're, you're, yeah, you're absolutely right, though. I, I was like going, which is, my, which is one of my favourite songs of all time, Mr. Tambourine Man? Um, why is it my favourite song? For all sorts of reasons, but not least, uh, I just love the lyrics. And what would this, what would that structure look like? Could I take that structure and write my own song? And that's what, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, mm. I, I based it, the structure, on Mr. Tambourine Man. Hey, there you go. Mm. I like oh, that yeah. version, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't better than I thought it was. I can't even remember the chorus of Tambourine Man. Do you know, nobody's ever said that. Nobody's ever said... Oh, that's based on Mr. Tambourine Man. In fact, you didn't even know, did you, when you... I, had, I, I didn't work it out, um... To be fair, it's only loosely based on it. Like, um, there's some syllables that, like, it's not a one-to-one mapping, so it's kind of easy to read it and not think Mr. Tambourine Man. And then also, Bob Dylan has that habit of doing, like, repeating lines more than you'd expect. Yeah, yeah. He can repeat that, like, once. He can repeat it three times. He can repeat it four times. Yeah, yeah. He can get away with it though, because he's Bob Dylan. I mean, he can get he can get away with anything. But no, it, it remains one of my my favourite all time songs. That's, that's that's Mr. Tambourine Man we're talking about now. Yeah. <laughs> but in yeah. terms of in terms of our songs, I still I still would have Ferryman up there as one of my favourites that we'd ever uh, ever written. But I mean, it's, okay, so it wasn't as well received as we'd hoped. So um, so so be it. You have to take it on the chin and move on. Talking yeah. of which, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Um, yeah, there are a couple of other um, songs that that I feel like have been less well received than 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 they could have been. Um, there's actually one <laughs> like that, all, all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We could, all, we, all could be, we should be multi platinum artists by now. God damn it. Um, yeah. How can yeah, people what, not realise? <laughs> uh, um, yeah. What what other songs are you thinking of? Well, around that time, I was uh, writing Ferryman, or writing the lyrics to Ferryman. Um, Unmarked Grave was was written. Oh, there you go. That brings back memories. Give, give, give me a bit more. Solitary glass slipper that never seemed to fit Toppled into the abyss as we start to reminisce now the melody of youth 
has lost its meaning. Very I've, good. I've, I haven't had to do that falsetto bit in ages. We don't have many songs with falsetto in them. So I do. I do like that. Yeah. Well, Omar Grave was written around the same time, and um, I remember similarly. I was, I was very excited with Omar Grave. And um, how wrong can you be? <laughs> Once hey, again, I think it's less so with Ferryman. But I think one of the main reasons that um, Armark Grave doesn't get um, played as often and therefore can't get as much love is because we've written quite a lot of songs and most of our set, like the way we want to sound live and how it seems we're best received live, is quite high energy, fast stuff. Yeah, true. Which means there's only a couple of slots in a set for stuff that isn't high energy, fast stuff. And there's other songs of that ilk that we've done that get received much better. So we kind of, Unmarked Grave had to kind of disappear. So, yeah, so I, so I guess, I mean, you'd be, you'd be pretty daft to, to keep on playing songs live that weren't as well received when you know you've yeah. got other songs in your repertoire that, that on the law of averages are going to be better received. It's, yeah. a, it's a real tough, it's a tough decision though, isn't it? Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, I, definitely. Um, I I wonder as well with Unmarked Grave is if if it's one of those songs that unless you really listen to it, um, in fact for me when when I listen to a song and I think oh I like that, I generally look up the lyrics. I like actually having the lyrics to read, and I wonder how many people actually misinterpret what the song's about. Mm, maybe because lyrically it is it is. Um up there I really like it especially the way that like the end like it's it's like an alternate chorus but it's not really an alternate chorus it just kind of is um, the way that it fits in my mouth the, but Rome is still burning as hell's fires freeze more questions than answers blow in on the breeze time to decide which god to appease the more I find out the less I believe I really like the way that those words fit in my mouth. <laughs> what a strange expression. But yeah I, yeah, I know what you mean. That line was quite an important line. The more I find out, the less I believe was yeah. actually quite an important line. It comes back a, a few times. But the, the, other, yeah. the other line and the big push line in the um, song is, I don't want to see my name on an unmarked grave. Yeah, that, oh, yeah it's the middle eight kind of bit. I, thought you I don't was... want to see my name on an unmarked grave. Yeah, obviously it's not played that fast normally, but well, yeah. I think people, I think people kind of misinterpret that as, as a kind of like a, a depressing, negative type vibe. But that's not how it was meant at all. It was, it was. It, it says, "I don't want to see my name on an unmarked grave." In other words, I don't want to spend my life not doing anything. Yeah, I suppose that might be a failure on my part then, prosody-wise, because the song is quite, it's very minor and. That kind of uh, sad driven, it's almost kind of anxious panic um, to it um, in the in the music, uh, which when coupled with those words might might be quite easy to interpret. So that might be a failing on my part. Um, but if maybe. you were a, if you were a teacher, which I obviously was for about 150 years, you'd you'd almost you'd almost chastise a, a class of children and say no listen again listen carefully to what it's actually saying wouldn't you yeah i suppose yeah 
Do you think that'd um, go? Do you think that'd go down well at a gig if you actually said no, 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 no? Listen, no, no, listen. stop talking. Listen, listen to the words. I feel like I probably wouldn't want to do that, um, just because you know it, it, it's it's a bit more aggressive than my normal stage patter. Uh, yes, you know. Yeah, for good yeah. for good reason. Do, do you know the background behind that behind that song? Mm, um, possibly, I, I might be reminded of it when you say it out loud. I bet you've, I bet you are aware of this. Where, where, where this, where I kind of started writing it. I was watching a film, one of my favourite films. Um, ringing any no, bells? I, no, not ringing any bells. Okay, so the the film is the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I know you're not a Western fan, but if you're a Western fan and you know the good, the bad, and the ugly, there's a there's a scene at the end. There's a three way shootout in a cemetery. And I think the scene, you know, that classic um, good, the bad and the ugly music, the atmospheric stuff. I think the one scene, the three-way shootout, lasts for about 20 minutes. It's absolutely brilliant. But the gold is buried um, in a grave and it's it's an unmarked grave. And Mm -hmm. so that kind of watching that film was like, oh, unmarked grave. And that's where I started picking up my notebook and started scribbling. And the rest, as they say, is history. Mm. So that's where it came from. Yeah, I, I I don't know whether you ever told me that story, or if you have, I I can't remember it particularly well. It rings a bell, but then again, it was you talked about the good, the bad, and the ugly before in other circumstances. So maybe that was it. And you've completely sure. you, you've completely ignored it, it, ignored all comments about that. But that's um that's where it started, and I suppose I was I, yeah I was, I was um and I remain quite um it was one of those songs as, as well. You know when you you have an idea for a song, but you can't. You, you can't really execute it, if that yeah. makes sense. You, you you can kind of you kind of know there's a song somewhere in your head, but you can't actually get it out. It doesn't come out Fair. the right way. Well, this was one of those songs that actually did come out. Yeah, I, it, it might not be very good. People might not like it, it but it, no. But at least we managed. At least we managed to write the song we set out to write. Yeah. Does that make That's sense? Fair. Yeah. Yeah, so, I get you. And the other thing to say with with Unmarked Grave is um, we recorded it again with accordion and harmonica, didn't we? Um, yeah, it was on the same EP actually as um, the second version of Ferryman, um, Like Father, which does seem to have taken a bit of a beating in this this podcast. Um, <laughs> no, it wasn't. It it was um, Like Son, wasn't it? Nope, it was on Like Father because Like Father is the acoustic one. Oh, of course, no. Oh, yeah, Blumenau. I'm yeah. the, I'm, I'm the, I'm the father. Just, I mean, I'm Although assuming. Speaking of like son, to be fair, when we wrote "Stop Digging," we thought it was fantastic. Like we were really happy with that. And then I think it's possibly just because live it doesn't sound as good without the harmonica. I think it, we played it in like two gigs as like the um, closer, and then sh- just disappeared from the set. It's a fair, it's a fair comment actually that the, the harmonica in Stop Digging. I wonder, can you um, you, you can do clever things, can't you, with this with this um, podcasty thing? <laughs> yeah. Can yeah. can you could you play that that introduction from from Stop Digging with 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 Leo's harmonica? Could you could you yeah, do I'll play a bit? Of it. Let's go. Could, could you drop it in? Yep. Here we go.
word. But and but that harmonica without the harmonica, that song is nowhere near as as effective, is it? I mean, would you agree I with that? It's a, I still think it's a good song. I just, I just we never managed to play it right live. Um, I think. I think I really like that song with with the harmonica. I I like it a lot less with without Leo. So I suppose it, a lot a lot of it comes down to. Um, and again, we're assuming people know. Um, but Leo is the guy who did all the art for, well, most of the, all the early Kelly Lamb releases and some later ones, um, but also harmonica player and my mate since I was like four. Yeah, four. I think you do go back yeah. to, to, to since since you were four, and he's he's fantastic. When when you play together as well, you can you can tell your mates you've got that, that that kind of chemistry that you've known each other for a long time. So yeah. Leo's harmonica is is really important in stop digging, but it's also important, I think, in and Mark Grave, really important. Yeah. And Reuben, um, Reuben Stone, Reuben Grief, who is um, playing the accordion on I'm Mark Grave, that really helps to add some kind of weight and power behind it without getting in the way. Like, it's a really nice, warm texture. I can remember the night we recorded that, because I was, I was staying in Cardiff in a hotel, wasn't I? A cheap hotel. Yeah. I, I'd come down, and the three of you, Reuben and Leo and yourself, practised those songs. Um, in 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 a tiny little hotel room, like half yeah. an hour before we were due to go into the studio, and there was we'd just bought a box of tea bags, and there was and a, and a pint of milk, and there was yeah. one mug, and we were, and we were we were I was making yeah. tea for you all, and we were all one mug between three of you, and I, I was on tea duty, which there you go, I I, I know my place, but the I think absolute insane things we used to do pre-COVID. Oh, I know what make, what make it sharing sharing a mug, crikey! Sharing a mug, absolute maniacs we were. I know. I, I tell you what, the one of the songs that has absolutely amazed me with how well it's been received. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had the lines um, seven sins in seven cities." Uh, yeah, which I and I always thought the next line was 40 days and forty nights." I just, I just really like that. Seven sins in seven cities, forty days and forty nights. I had no idea what to do with those lyrics, um, and it, it, they were there. They still lagged around in my notebook for about a year, and then we finished the song. And uh, to to my absolutely amazement, um, it, it, it's been well received, hasn't it? Well, yeah, kind of. When we first started playing it, like it was all right. People liked it. It was cool. But then it just kind of. I don't think. We thought it was as good as it appears to be thought of. Um, so we kind of phased out in favour of other songs and worked on different things and got uh, other kind of songs into our set that we were playing. And then I play it every so often at Porter's Open Mic or at gigs. And just, it was really surprising when, like, it was almost as if, like, like overnight, very sudden, when people started saying to me that... They either started requesting Seven Sins at gigs or they were like, that's my favourite song. Or I think um, Alistair from Fiasco said to me, is like, he, he thought it was a, a, a fantastic piece of songcraft, I believe. Um, I think we were, we were driving to a practice session when he said that. He then said um, that he could see it with strings and stuff, like a whole orchest- orchestration, which actually could sound quite cool. But yeah, it like it went from like being all right received but we kind of phased out because we thought we we had better stuff to suddenly people just started asking for it and um it, it's now a, a regular in the set again it's amazing um, isn't it i mean it was before i'm i'm delighted people like it i'm absolutely delighted people like it but i i'm like 
I am surprised because I'm thinking, oh, there's better songs than that. But it's, it does feature the, the, the line, pulled by 17 white horses dressed in flowing robes of red. Yeah. Can you, can you imagine? It's almost like somebody bet me. I bet, I bet you can't write those lyrics into, into, into a song. But, but it features and it, well, it, seem, it, seems, it seems to work. So cool, yeah. cool, cool, cool. It's cool. also the only song we've ever written, like... If, if anyone out there is analysing our music, they might notice that I'm quite a fan of key changes at random points. But it's the only one song we've ever written, really, with like a cliche key change in it, where instead of um, using like a pivot chord where we do something fancy and it changes key without you noticing, it's just straight up like the final chorus of a pop song kind of thing where it just goes up. Because you have the, uh, so let the poets tell their stories and the minstrels play their tunes in the original key. And then it goes, Blowing as the sun obscures the moon. And then it goes up a key into the final chorus. Seven sins in seven cities, 40 days and 40 nights, battle scars and souvenirs. Just to win the bragging rights Seven sins in seven cities Seven twelve good men and true It's a bitter pill to swallow But I'd leave it all for you And it, it, it just changes up key for the final chorus well, there you go. That, that'd who be a, cares? It's great fun. That'd be a quiz question one of these days. You never know. <laughs> it's about the... It's an, it's, I guess it's the nearest song we've got to, to a sort of like a dancey sort of song as well, isn't it? Yeah, I um, do want to re-record it, and someday we will play it live with. I want a horn section, to like that kind of dancey. I look forward to it. Uh, absolutely brilliant. You know, I mean, I'm just grateful to. I'm just grateful for anybody who actually listens to one of our songs. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's, a, it's an absolute bonus if 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 they like them. So it doesn't really. If, it, I suppose. I suppose it doesn't matter if if one person likes one song and another person likes another song, but um, it, uh, it, Ferryman and Unmarked Grave will remain two two of my two of my favourites at, at the very least. Yep, and Seven Sins will remain everyone else's. Yeah, so um, I, so I, I guess then you're going to play out with Seven Sins. Yep, Seven Sins. Uh, We'll play the actual track, not with horns yet, but you know, you can one just day it will happen. You can just imagine it with horns. So, well, thank thank you very much indeed for listening, and um, we'll catch you again soon. And in the meantime, I hope you all enjoy Seven Sins. Princess in the evening. Frogs by morning light Trip the light fantastic Creatures of the night Notches on the bedpost Dancing flames to keep me warm Home is where the hack gets laid And shelter from the storm Seven sins in seven cities Forty days and forty nights Battle scars and souvenirs Just to win the bragging rights Seven sins in seven cities Seven twelve good men and true It's a bitter pill to swallow But I'd leave it all for you Trouble in the garden Stealing apples from the tree 
dancing with the devil For loose and fancy free For every broken promise There's a story to be told Gone before the sunrise All that glitters must be gold Seven sins in seven cities Forty days and forty nights Battle scars and souvenirs Just to win the bragging rights Seven sins in seven cities Seven twelve good men and true It's a bitter pill to swallow But I'd leave it all for you of youth With my hand across my heart I'll tell you nothing but the truth The truth, the truth, the whole truth I'll tell you nothing but the truth Always tell the stories And the minstrels play their tunes Now the winds of change are blowing As the sun obscures the moon Seven sins in seven cities Forty days and forty nights Battle scars and souvenirs Just to win the bragging rights Seven sins in seven cities Seven twelve good men and true It's a bitter pill to swallow But I'd leave it all Seven sins in seven cities Where the angels fear to tread Pulled by seventeen white horses Dressed in flowing robes of red Seven cents in seven cities Let the prophecy ring true It's a bitter pill to swallow